0: Big data has gotten too big. Whether you're a B2B marketer or a consumer brand, your data needs to be viable, relevant, and accessible so that Starista can help you retain customers, acquire customers, and make it personal. Welcome to the Marketing Star Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ear. I'm Vinny, the associate producer here at Starista. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders and get their take on the current challenges of the market. And we'll have a little fun along the way. In today's episode, Vincent and AJ chat with Gerard Vicente, VP of Marketing at JP Morgan Chase. He talks about how what it all comes down to as a marketer is understanding your audience and how they think. Vincent celebrates three years at Starista, and AJ is the spider-pong champion of the office. Give it a listen.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. It's beautiful weather out, which is why I've got my short sleeves on. Today, ladies and gentlemen, it's so good to be back here. For those of you who don't know me, just listening for the first time, I am Vincent Petrofessa, the Vice President of B2B Products and Partnerships here at Starista, and one of your co-hosts. Ladies and gentlemen, Starista, who are we? Let's pause and talk about Starista for just like 12 seconds that's the only time we talk about the company we are a marketing technology company we own our own data business to business business to consumer we help companies access that data to help them get new customers we have our own dsp called adster we can help execute display ott connected tv email me vincent at stris.com that is how confident i am in our solutions i just gave thousands and thousands of listeners my email address the other thing i'm confident in and i say it every single episode and it still rings true after three years here at starista i just celebrated, celebrated my anniversary my co-host the ceo mr aj gupta what's going on aj
2: hey winston i gotta show you something you gotta uh, uh... Yeah, starista spider pong championship, so
1: yeah, you won it or you did just didn't you bought it and you didn't give it out yet?
2: <laughs> no, no, I, I earned it. I beat uh Hunter Snell, who has had it for way too long. Wow, um, yeah, 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 he went uh, he went down fighting. So. That's
1: awesome, that's I'm awesome. A good dude. day already. That's a great day. You got a new belt, I, I want my own belt. I, I've got uh, one of those reversible dad belts, you know. If I want black pop, if I want um, brown pop, that's just what dads do. Is we get those reversible belts, but that's awesome. I saw you guys had a scavenger hunt to uh, today at the office, and just doing fun things uh, in the headquarters there in San Antonio.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, we got about a ninety-eight percent participation rate. So even our uh... Uh, accountant Mamdou participated it's hard to get him to participate it's
1: hard to get Mamdou to do that but I'm glad he did and yeah I'm getting a lot of love today AJ from people uh three years here at Starista three years I've known the company and I've known you for 11 years but can you believe it does it feel like it's been forever or is time uh flown by
2: yeah, no, I remember when you were young, so I can tell the difference now. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. I had no grays yet. Uh, you know, uh,
2: um, you've got the same hairstyle. I, I must uh, congratulate you on not changing your haircut one bit.
1: Yeah, well, I get a haircut every 10 days out there, ladies and gentlemen. And I had the same haircut for since I've been in college. That's so about 25 mm-hmm. years. It's like, it's like a classic recipe. If it's not, it, it, don't mess with it. Don't, don't, don't hit me with some fusion type stuff. Just uh, let's have some fun. And we've got a fun one today because you know, it, it's, it's rare. You, you meet people that it's like, oh, we used to work with Starista. I, I never met this, uh, young man. He's younger than us, AJ clearly this is a young man. He's doing great things though, regardless. Uh, and he is, you know, worked with us in the past, but he is new to the podcast. We have never met him, but we are excited to have him aboard here today. For the marketing stir, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please a very warm welcome to the vice president of marketing at J.P. Morgan Chase, Gerard Vicente. What's going on, Gerard?
0: Hey
3: guys, thank you so much for having me. Um, longtime listener, first time participant, I suppose. You know, Vincent, congrats on the anniversary. Um, I know we've kind of been tangentially, um, you know, connected through different ways, but so glad to meet both of you formally and looking forward to really exciting conversation.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a pleasure to finally meet you, Gerard. It's probably, you're probably one of those people. We've probably been at conferences. 100%. we have probably been right there together, and we didn't know each other. But for, for those of you who are uh, listening and, and maybe not watching, Gerard has his Warriors, his Golden State Warriors <laughs> sweatshirt on, ladies and gentlemen. I said, I said, Gerard, you live in New York City. Wait a minute. <laughs> you know, well, how do you like these buddies from the Bay Area, originally born and raised? And so he's uh, celebrating the Warriors fourth championship. Shout out to the Warriors and shout out to Steve Kerr. I'm a Chicago Bulls fan as a native New Yorker, but Steve Kerr, former <laughs> champion with us. That makes nine for Steve Kerr. But congratulations on that, Gerard. And congrats on this role, man, you know, you're doing some great things here.
3: Yeah, uh, thank so, you.
1: So far, so talk to us about your role within JP Morgan Chase. Come on, I mean, everyone's heard of that. Uh, you know, yeah. Love to talk to you about that and uh, what your kind of day to day is there.
3: For sure, yeah. I took a kind of a a, a winding path to JPMorgan Chase. You know, I'm sure we'll dig into into it a little bit deeper from the different marketing experiences I've had up until this point. But you know, currently I I am, as you mentioned, Vincent, uh, the vice president of marketing here, um, specifically handling partner marketing, which is a really fascinating intersection between you know, our internal teams, but also our external partners. And so specifically within JPMorgan Chase, I work on the WePay side. And so WePay is our financial tech arm. um, And with WePay, we enable payment processing across different B2B organizations. So an example I like to use is, you know, when you use Uber or Seamless or Grubhub, you know, you obviously have to make payments through those different platforms and through those apps. Well, surprise, you know, Uber is not a financial institution. Surprise, Seamless is not a financial institution. So they look for folks like a WePay, who is now backed by J.P. Morgan Chase, to help power the you know financial transaction between consumer and organization. And so, within my own day to day, a lot of what I'm doing is building marketing relationships and partnerships with a lot of large scale. Uh, platforms who use payments as a feature within their software. So, you know, I would say technically what that looks like is sales enablement. It's creating, um, you know, go-to-market strategies on how we present ourselves in market as a joint solution. It's going to events now that that's, you know, slowly becoming a thing again. It's brand awareness. It's, you know, um, going to, um, well, I mentioned conferences, but it's participating in webinars, making sure that People know that WePay is not only just a financial tech, you know, um, platform, but is now part of the larger J.P. Morgan Chase umbrella. And so, a lot of what I'm doing is is, um, you know, sales enablement, brand awareness, go to marketplace to make sure that we are um, a voice in market now.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, and it's one of those areas you you you, you don't know about, as far uh, at least under the J.P. Morgan. Chase, uh, umbrella, but extremely important as we pay. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that, Gerard. Yeah. A, a question we always like to get into because the the answer differs from every guest. <laughs> how you got into marketing? Yeah,
3: that's, that's, that's a great question. And, and you know, I have been doing some reflection, especially kind of kind of now that I'm in this the really pivotal point in my career. You know, I've asked myself that, you know, even outside of this podcast, like, how why is it that I do what I do again? Like, how did I get here? And, you know, similar to my path to, um, you know, Morgan Chase, it was kind of a winding road. You know, what I will say is that I feel like I am a bit of an outlier because I did study marketing in school. You know, my first internship was in marketing. So I did kind of gain my passion within the academic sense. But, you know, from the jump, you know, from when I was, you know, in high school leading into college, like, I wanted to get into athletic training. Um, You know, I was an athlete growing up. I figured, well, I'm not going to become an athlete myself. You can't, you might not be able to see on screen and certainly not on air, but I'm not a big guy by any means. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to pivot a little bit. I can't be the guy on the field, but maybe I could be the support guy off the field. And what I realized in my academic studies was that I'm not good at biology or science, which is a pretty meaningful prerequisite that you need to have if you're gonna be in you know, kind of athletic training. So I pivoted away from athletic training into psychology. And what I realized in psychology was going the clinical route was not necessarily um, aligned with my passions or interests at that point because you know, kind of the, the book work and the academic work was a bit challenging. And so I took what I loved from psychology and what I knew that I loved about business and I found that overlap to be marketing. Because at the end of the day, you know what is marketing? Marketing is identifying consumer behavior to make sure that they are aware of your product or service, right? And so when I found and realized that that was an overlap of multiple interests being business and psychology, it was a no-brainer for me. And so I was able to follow my that passion up and through school, through my internships, through you know, my time at LiveRamp and Ground Truth and Comedy Central, and now here at JPMorgan Chase.
2: Great. Gerard, I don't know if you know this, but actually uh, grew up in the Bay Area. so there you appreciate go your, uh, <laughs> shirt so yeah uh, San Francisco.
3: So, that's awesome.
2: I yeah, would love to know about you know some of the channels and strategies in marketing that are working for you and some that might not be.
3: yeah, yeah that, that that's a great that's a great question AJ. and you know what I will say as a precursor to you know this this discussion is that, you know, the team that I've just joined, you know, we're a brand new team. Um, you know, we've built this new organization within, obviously, the J.P. Morgan Chase Umbrella in support of small businesses, in support of WePay. But the reality is, you know, a year ago today, this team didn't exist. You know, marketing was kind of supported by a dis you know, kind of from disparate places, from different teams. And so through you know, the leader of our, of our team, our CMO, she was able to bring all of that in house. And so I say that because we're very much at you know, the nascent stages of really building that marketing machine. And so really a lot of the things that are working are kind of the obvious things, right? So things like email, running paid media, our acquisition efforts are going really well, um, but really the, you know, the mandate that our leader has given us as an organization is test and learn. We haven't done a lot of stuff. We don't have a whole lot of historical context on, we know this works for sure, or we know that works or that doesn't work. And so a lot of the things that we're doing is we're dipping our toes in the water to see what lands and what sticks with our end customers and with our users, right? And so that for me as a marketer is very, very exciting because we have the opportunity to try so many different things. And they're given my background from, you know, from so many different places, be it ad tech or entertainment, I have the opportunity to kind of leverage a lot of that experience to influence the team to try new things. And so in the coming quarters, we're trying social media, we're doing print ads, we're testing direct mail, a lot of those things. So I'm really interested to see how that actually resonates with our consumers and looking at the data to see what is working.
2: When we started this podcast, it was actually during the first month of the pandemic, and so we were hoping it would have been over by now, but uh, th- this week itself, we've had a couple of cases at the office, so it's obviously continuing, but what are some of the lessons that you've learned uh, coming out of the pandemic?
3: Yeah, I mean, at at the risk of beating a dead horse at this point, since I know all the thought pieces and, and articles have, I've certainly, um, you know, commented on this as well, but you know, I think the ability to just collaborate, you know, wherever you are, you know, across time zones, across physical locations. I mean, you'll see here, I mean, none of us are in the same physical location. And I think that there is something to be said about, you know, being able to, you know, be part of a team that is high performing, dynamic, you know, able to, um, you know, take on change and still be, you know, delivering impactful or delivering impact, regardless of where you are. I think is super super important and and honestly very possible despite you know um, the impacts of 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 what occurred during the pandemic. So, you know, the virtual collaboration for sure I would double down on that. And I think, you know, what I would also say is, you know, from a marketing perspective, I might have a, a an, an opul- unpopular opinion on this, excuse me, but I think people are willing to listen to marketing messages, to listen to ads or be more receptive to being targeted by things that they have interests and You know, I think the reality of what we just went through over the last two years is that we had a lot of downtime. We were at home. You know, a lot of the things that we loved about going out, going to restaurants, you know, being in New York City and experiencing the life here, you know, we were shut down for quite some time. And I think because of that, you know, we were open to you know messages that were tailored to us and i think that will continue to be a thing moving forward and i think just you know, the pandemic expedited kind of the reception of consumers to tailored messaging and tailored ads
1: gerard you had mentioned it before some of the companies that you've been at the live ramps and, and other technology companies in between can you talk a little bit about some of the similarities in marketing some of the uh different ways that you've marketed there? I'd love to learn a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I think what I'll say to that, at least as a, as a starting off point, is that, you know, at the end of the day, it's about knowing your customer, right? So what, regardless if that's, you're trying to promote the newest season of South Park to a frat boy, or trying to promote, you know, the live ramp identity graph to you know, B2B organizations or, you know, currently at WePay, if it's, you know, trying to target SMBs, I think at the end of the day, it's understanding who is your customer and how do they operate and how do they think, right? And so for me as a marketer, you know, as I've kind of gone through these different organizations, that's something that I bring with me is just a hyper focus on understanding who that is and challenging my team and my, um, you know, adjacent teammates to really think that way as well. Um, in terms of just channels and tactics, you know, I think it goes without saying, you know, working at Comedy Central, you know, TV was obviously a big, big deal for us. I mean, we have our network, we have our, our sibling um, channels that we could run, you know, all of our different ads on. Um, so, you know, certainly TV was a big thing, but you move into tech and some of the things that we're doing here at J.P. Morgan Chase and WePay, you know, a lot of the things that we're doing are digitally driven you know, paid media, paid search, SEO, a lot of these things that, you know, I um, was exposed to early on in my ad agency days, you know, in digital media, a lot of those are coming into play again. Um, And so what I would say is, you know, despite having, you know, experiences across different organizations, I think it's about knowing your customer, where are they? So obviously from a TV perspective, we know that our Comedy Central audience is watching TV. So why not hit them with messaging there? But from a tech perspective, you know, I think that has uh, taken a more digitally forward um, approach.
1: Yeah, no, it's and it's so different. Like you just described, it's <laughs> like all right, well, you're talking about South Park, you're talking about, and then you're talking about identity Grab, then you're talking about WePay and and how. But I, I want to stay on on uh, something you said there because you know WePay b- being able to use the example of like GrubHub. Powering that I feel like a lot of organizations realized over the pandemic that hey we have to become more digital. We have to have our customers be able to transact and we need someone to fuel that. We need a payment solution. So I I I would imagine that you know the business or or people there's not an up, maybe an uptick is the right word of just people reaching out. To we pay over that because I think digital transformation, uh, electronic payments, all of that—a payment backbone, if you will—was something that became very important to these businesses. They're like, oh no, people just come to my restaurant. <laughs> no, they don't. It's not not anymore. So I, I wanted to stay on that where the parallels between fintech yeah. and ad tech, You mentioned a few different things, so I'd love to talk about that area
3: yeah you know I think there are a lot of parallels, and you know, I will you know fully confess I am no fintech or ad tech expert at this point. I mean, I've you know been in my current role for a little bit less than a year. Um, so I you know would be disingenuous to say if I was a a thought leader in this space. but you know obviously coming in with you know fresh eyes, I am seeing a lot of parallels from what I experience on the ad tech side. You know, I think one of those things that you know I am you know noticing is that, you know, everyone wants wants in. You know, you think about ad tech, there's so many players, there's a lot of competitors. You think about the Lunascape, if if I'm even remembering that correctly, there's just so many different organizations cropping up across, you know, the different um, places, you know, areas that you can play in, whether that's data, whether that's DSPs, SSPs, all of that, right? And I'm honestly seeing the same within the FinTech world, right? So it's not just payment processing. Um, you know, it's other features within the payments landscape that I think other you know competitors are starting to get into. So you know, to, to kind of summarize that, that point, you know, I think it is a little bit of a wild, wild west element where you know people are seeing the opportunity within fintech and people are jumping on board. Whether it's you know payment processing, buy now, pay later, you know, people are starting to you know become their own pay fact. You know, there is a lot to be done and a lot to compete in in this space. And people are seeing that and, and, and are actively jumping in. So that is very exciting. And, you know, I think another thing that, that I've noticed, you know, in, ter- in terms of, you know, the parallels is that, you know, it's becoming more of a consumer-facing brand, right? You think about other players in the space, and this is something that, you know, we as an organization are, you know, having an eye towards is, you know, despite our, at least within my small group, you know, we are, you know, B2B2C, to, to B to you know, you think about, a square, you think about a PayPal, a Venmo, a Braintree, a lot of those guys, you know, as a consumer, however, you know, maybe us at JPMorgan Chase, you might not necessarily think of us as, you know, kind of that, you know, um, you know, payments processor or someone that powers a lot of that experience, you know, within some of those software platforms. And so that's something that we're looking at you know really uh, doubling down on as well is how do we make our brand as synonymous with, some of those other players within the fintech space. Um, because as a big be- as a big bank, you know us, as- but as a fintech, you might not necessarily. And so that's something, you know, those are attitudes that we're trying to shift as well.
2: Heard you've written extensively about mobile location and location intelligence in general. Would love to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on this.
3: Yeah, uh, that that is a great question. Um, so during my time at Ground Truth, I was the, the um, marketing lead for channel partnerships. And so what that means in layman's terms, and I will say, you know, I, I left Ground Truth, you know, three or four years ago. So I'm sure the way that they, um, you know, talk about, you know, themselves and the narrative may have been adjusted or changed since then. But you know, our channel partnerships group sold our mobile location technology and our data to media organizations so that they could package it up as their own white labeled solution to their end customers. And so again, kind of a B2B to C model there. And so one of my biggest responsibilities as the marketing lead there was honestly just brand awareness. Like how are people how do people think of mobile location as a viable part of their media and marketing mix? And so a lot of the the thought leadership that I wrote during that time Was really introducing location as a category. I mean, one of the things that we were trumpeting around that time was, you know, ground truth as, you know, ground truth to location as Facebook is to social, as Google is to search. So that was the sort of thing that we really wanted to uh, attach ourselves to. And so creating location as a category was very much um, a focus of ours from a thought leadership perspective and also. You know, it it bled into our marketing tactics where it was very much brand awareness, um, you know, big splashy events at Cannes, you know, big billboards, um, you know, prints buys, big digital, you know, media buys, things of that nature. And so my thought leadership really fed into that um, strategy.
2: Awesome. Yeah, we've been uh, trying to do the same with CTV and Starista, (laughs) so totally get it. (laughs) Uh, So one of the questions we ask all the guests is uh, regarding LinkedIn. So given your title and your background, I'm sure you get a lot of unsolicited LinkedIn messages. So (laughs) we'd love to know about one that gets your attention and one that really annoys you.
3: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, and I'm I'm sure you guys can relate as well, it uh, more frequently airs on the side of annoying messages versus actual um you know cool or like interesting messages. So I'll start there. You know, probably one of the more annoying, you know, messages I get is from like expert organizations or like consultation organizations where you know they'll hit me with you know a seemingly canned email saying, oh Gerard, it looks like you're an expert in fill in the blank thing. Would you, you know, would you happen to have the time to hop on a one hour call where we will compensate you, which is fair, but it turns out like I am not at all an expert in, you know, (laughs) retail packaging. So I have no idea at what point, you know, anything on my LinkedIn would suggest that I am an expert at retail packaging. And so I think it's less about, you know, the extension to kind of consult on a given topic, but it's just the miss on, you know, what those topics they think I would be an expert for, right? So, so that is one of the things that always annoys me. It's like, oh, wow, cool. Like I can get, you know, paid or I can get like a, a cool recommendation on LinkedIn if I participate in this call. But it turns out I, I know nothing about this call. So why, you know, what what is what is the purpose or what is the point? So I get a few of those a week and sometimes, yeah, at this point, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and I just kind of chuckle. Um, but some of the most memorable or, or really one of the most um um, yeah, memorable messages that I've gotten was just the personal tie. So I went to a smaller school in Los Angeles, Loyola Marymount go lions. Um, and someone just said, Hey, like, it looks like you went to LMU around, you know, this date range, like I was, I was also there and like, I'm pretty sure that we shared a class or, or just really name dropped something very specific about, you know, Loyola Marymount. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't take this person up on their offer for, you know, a demo or anything, but I did stay in contact with that person. I actually did like an informational interview with that person. So I think it just goes a long way. And I'm probably stating the obvious just to have really tailored personal messages, especially if it's one-on-one, right? Like if you're going to reach out to someone on LinkedIn cold, like do your homework, like make sure you have a personal tie, um, make it personal, make it custom, and I think you know that's you know that that means a lot. That goes a long way. I mean, it just certainly cuts through the clutter and and um, pierces through the noise.
1: I wonder if those personal expert things they actually do compensate. <laughs> I wonder if they do. Have you ever been on one of those, AJ?
2: I've uh, never actually responded, but I do get <laughs> some interesting ones. So, but I will say uh, there was. One that wanted to give an iPad, and I thought it was a joke, so I gave it to uh, Aaron Reyna, and he ended up getting a brand new iPad for one hour of his time, so wow, oh, wow. so they're legit
1: so oh, yeah it it, it is like, yeah just based on but they're like, oh, I see you're an expert in like knitting. I'm like I've never knitted right. in my life, like where do you <laughs> get that from but uh Gerard, I want to talk to you about this because, only because we were talking about it earlier, I, I was talking about how today at starista they did like a scavenger, they were kind of doing activities. We do a lot for company and company culture. And I feel a part of that too, even though I'm, I'm remote because we do virtual stuff. But how, how much does company culture play into how, how you select a company, some of your past experiences and now?
3: Yeah, I would say it's, it's at the top. You know, it's right at the top next to you know, who I would be reporting into quite honestly. And, and again, where, where it's like kind of between those two things, you you can probably get a, a better read of you know your manager, his or her working style, kind of their expectations throughout the interview process or whenever it is you're you're looking to make a move or work for an organization, whereas company culture might be a little bit more difficult to kind of discern, especially in these more virtual, remote times, right? And so you know, I think you know, company culture, especially from a marketing perspective, has a huge impact on how I do my job. Right, And one of the things that I, I mentioned earlier, which I love so much about my team, and quite honestly, a lot of the organizations I worked for is a willingness to test and learn, right? Because marketing is such a dynamic discipline. You know, What worked yesterday isn't gonna dictate what works tomorrow, right? So you have to have a team that is supportive, if not encouraging of testing and learning, right? Because if you're doing you know, the same things over and over again, What's innovative about that? What's creative about that? What's honestly, what's interesting about that, right? And so, you know, when I'm, you know, looking to work with or work for a new organization, you know, one of the things that I ask, you know, whether it's as a candidate or as a potential vendor or partner is, you know, tell me about the most innovative thing that you've done recently. And, you know, while that's not necessarily a scientific question, you know, the way that I kind of unpack that really leads me to believe, or gives me the confidence in, you know what, this is an organization that I think I can be creative at, or this is a partner where I think I could bring creative ideas for or to. And so that's kind of the way that I think about it as it relates to company culture, just kind of the, the appetite to do something different, to, you know, um, to test and learn, to, you know, fail and fail fast. All of those startupy things that people say, I think has kind of gotten watered down over the years but i still think that there is a level of truth in that especially from a marketing perspective when you do want to you know be at the cutting edge otherwise quite honestly you'll fall behind and so that is there is a very real tie between company culture and marketing that i think um, you know shouldn't be lost on people as they kind of uh, look towards you know their marketing approaches or hiring you know their own marketing teams
1: uh, I love that, and, and what really resonated with me there as well is that I haven't even thought of as like, well, also the person that I'm reporting yeah. into, kind of knowing that and saying, can I work with this person? What are they about? What are they? Wow, that's, yep. uh, that's interesting. Gerard, before we get a closing thought from you, personal side, you know, you're uh, from the Bay Area originally. You're now in my city, ladies and gentlemen, New York City. As you know, uh, Warriors fan. But tell what brought you to New York City? What What are some of the What are your uh, hobbies? What do you like doing?
3: Yeah, I know that that's a great question. And honestly, I'll I'll save you guys the. Uh, I mean, I could probably talk about this for for hours, but I'll I'll save you guys all of that uh, that boring stuff. But um, you know, what brought me to New York? I mean, I guess tackle that first. Honestly, it was the job. It was the job at Comedy Central and to work at Viacom. You know. Prior to that, I was doing the ad agency in Los Angeles. Loved it, liked it, but I thought that, you know, moving to the brand side, moving to the client side, as they say, mm-hmm. would just open up doors for me that I, I I feel like may have been left shut had I not made that move. And so when the opportunity came up to go to a, such a known brand like Viacom and Comedy Central and to move to New York, it was it was, it was was a no brainer. Um, at that point, I was in my mid twenties to be in New York, single in your mid twenties, my gosh, it was it was uh, it was a, it was a good it was a good time. Yeah. Um, in terms of hobbies, man, I, I so obviously big sports fan. I, I pull for everything Bay Area sports. Um, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the soccer community out here in New York City. So I'm a big soccer player. That's what I played nice. growing up. Still continue to play, and there is such a dynamic and very close knit soccer community out here in New York, and both as a player and as a volunteer coach, I've really kind of embraced it as my own and so I play Thursday nights. I used to volunteer coach up in the Bronx on Saturday mornings, and that's just something that has been such a part of my experience here in new york and wherever life takes me, I think will continue to be a thing and so hobby wise you know it's sports, and then something that I'm trying out is yoga you know i I think there's you know, especially with the pandemic, with everything that was going on, I just needed an activity to really ground myself and be with my thoughts, as scary as that is. And yoga was kind of that outlet for me where it was you know, being introspective, moving. I am an active person. So that was something that I, I picked up during the pandemic and have uh, continued to do moving forward. Um, and, and I love it. So this Got is a little it. bit something about me.
1: That's amazing. Yeah, no, thanks. Uh, that's cool. I'll talk to you about soccer too. I know you're a, are you are you a Galaxy fan? Is that what you rooted for when you were in that area?
3: You know, I was uh, I was an Earthquakes
1: fan, which is oh, even
3: okay. more which is even more rare. I feel like the yeah, this rare.
1: Earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, as you say, my buddy played for the Galaxy. Uh, Edson Buttle. Shout out to that's number awesome. fourteen, Port Chester, New York, uh, and the U.S. national team. So, Gerard, just a a, a final thought, a closing thought to leave us with about, you know, reflection of your career thus far, uh, just anything in the market.
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think something that I'll leave you guys and the listeners with, and yeah, this is not meant to be preachy, but something that I was reflecting on the other day as as I was having, you know, one-on-ones with my team. And it's the thought about having marketing range and marketing diversity and i don't mean diversity as you know from like a dni perspective which is obviously very important but we'll put that conversation first aside for a second but what i mean by marketing range is just having broad experiences across your marketing kind of experience right so whether that is in partner marketing in brand marketing product sales enablement just collecting all of those experiences i would make the argument will make you a more powerful and impactful marketer because at the end of the day you know again i think i said it earlier you know what worked yesterday may not necessarily work tomorrow and so when i'm looking to work with marketers and when i'm looking to either be part of a team or hire a team i'm looking for generalists i'm looking for people who have you know a broad array of experiences that they can pull from because at the end again no, every day. Not every day is going to be the same, and so whether a partner is looking for you to help with their acquisition efforts, or all of a sudden you're pivoting from a brand awareness campaign to a direct response campaign, those will pull on different marketing skill sets. So I think that you know, from a marketing perspective, having you know diversity and range that spans the different marketing disciplines is something that. Will be very important moving forward, and and I say that because you know I, I feel like there has been such a narrative on okay you 're a digital marketing guy, you should only be a digital marketing guy, or you worked at comedy central, okay, you're just going to be an entertainment marketing guy and and I would make the argument that I think you can have elements of both or all, right because that just primes you to jump into. about marketing range. And I think that's going to be very important.
1: Uh, I love that thought. And, and, you know, dare I say you're a testament to that, just to the various backgrounds you've had in different companies. So uh, I, I love that you are, uh, you practice what you preach. So that that's great. Gerard, thank you. This has been an awesome, uh, awesome time. We really enjoyed talking to you. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Gerard Vicente, VP Marketing at JPMorgan Chase. Go check out WePay, WePay.com. This has been another episode of The Marketing Stir. That's Gerard. I'm Vincent. That's AJ. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Thanks for listening to The Marketing Stir podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, please email us at themarketingstir And thanks for listening.